Hi, you guys. Welcome to Radcast. I am Elise Snipes, your sometimes host <laughs> and sometimes guest on this podcast. Um, today, I am chatting with a dear friend from college. Um, we have like traversed in and out of each other's lives over the last 20 or so years. And this is our conversation. This is like us meeting here now on the other side of some really big stories. So um, when you hear this, no, you're jumping right into our actual conversation. Like we started talking, I'm like, this is just going to be the podcast now because you know those kind of friends where you see them and it's just like, oh, we just pick right back up uh, where we were last time in a real deep place. And that was this. So without further ado, may you enjoy this rad conversation with my friend, TJ. Talk to me about what places you would like to go on purpose today in our conversation. I, I would love to go to Tangerine Falls. Right. You, were you aware of? Oh, totally. Okay. Okay, cool. I, I think that, I think especially that yeah, we've never talked about it. Yeah, we've never talked about it. And I just went back and listened just to kind of get prepped for this. I listened to a few of your mm -hmm. recent podcasts and the one where you were sharing about all the health issues that yeah. happened. And I was yeah. like, wow, I don't even know that I've ever talked to you about that or even then didn't realize the gravity of it. So, well, we can't, you know, because yeah. it's remember at that time, from the, from where the other person sits, it's just a story. Yeah. Until you yeah, and it's, it is twenty years this year for me, and so now I've been alive longer, Whoa. having had that happen. Whoa, that changes. That's so bizarre. That's a that's an interesting concept like if it was to open the book up right and it falls open and the tangerine falls is in the center it's like that you have more chapters on this side feels really wonky almost like Whoa. oh yeah yeah and and to just think of the the evolution of it of i remember I, I listened to something you were talking about recently it was it was fun prepping because i go oh wow i haven't just haven't like sat and chatted to you in a long time and it felt like i was just getting ready for this and that idea of going from being captive to the story because when i fell the context that we were in there was never once a how are you doing are, how is this impacting you it was wow you've been saved for such purposes i can't wait to see what comes of this and and what your life is for and I was 25, and looking back, I tried to get a, a, as far away from that story as I could. Yep. And I ended up in Northern Ireland. I was mm -hmm. in Central America. I was, you know, ended up road tripping. I was in Philly, living there for a year. Well, what's so funny is because I had spent, you know, as a freshman in college when this happened, mm -hmm. and I was at the peak of my physical prime you know I'm starting on the soccer team as a freshman coming in and I'm just ha having the time of my life we go out for a hike just 
like that, everything's different and everything's up in the air. And, and, you know, I, I think I'm going with three buddies up to explore a, a trail that we've only been on once and we're getting lost and just having fun and playing around and challenging each other to go climb the next ledge. And, you know, once we finally start to go, Hey, we should probably find a way back out. And then all of life's different. You know, I wake up at the feet of four unfamiliar faces having fallen. I don't know how far, you know, it was 200 feet. It's over a hundred feet. It's, um, a long ways and to just get right into the actual piece of it you know we're oh, 19 yeah. with three of my teammates playing around after having our first batch of midterms thinking all right man we're we're just cruising we're, we're living the college life it is good we're yeah. up yeah. taking in the views of the ocean from the hills of montecito and having a good old time we get turned around and in in that day the whole day i was like guys fear nothing but god and i were at the top of this little trickle of a waterfall and i say let me just see what i can find and i go 20 30 feet to the right grab hold of a boulder look over my shoulder way down below i see some people hear a little bit of noise from others exploring down at the base where we just were. Yeah. And then. Do you have any felt sense of like um, the sensation around falling or dropping any memory of I was on, I was holding the boulder and then anywhere in between I'm at the feet of four people. I don't know. I'm nothing. And it's, it's wild because I don't know. I, the more that I engage in the work that I do now, I I just don't ever know if it's there Mm -hmm. and I'll find it one day or if it wasn't, if if it's not there, if it's just like, because I passed out, I don't have the memory, but I remember looking over my shoulder and seeing people and, you know, folks down there and thinking, is there a way down this way? And so I don't know what happened. I, I Sometimes when I let myself actually wonder about it, which is rare, yeah. I wonder, did I try to jump down to a ledge? You know, all along the story has been my footing gave way and I don't know. Yeah. Is um, that story from the people you were with? You know, the, the three friends who were with me, all they saw was dust rise and they heard me yell. And it was that yell where you you just you know that it's not a joke and they instantly went to uh let's get down as fast as we came up and it we were purposely looking for another way down because we had kind of scraped and clawed our way up a like not an actual trail it was you know formed from water runoff and so they just slid their slid themselves down and 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 got back down to the base but by the time they got down there I had already woken up you know 10 minutes later and I'm at the foot of a nurse who I landed 10 feet from and two men who 
looked up when they heard the yell and they saw me and they saw me hit a ledge thunk hit another ledge thunk and then the final 40 feet free fall and i don't know if you've been up there but i mean there is where i landed was like a little body shaped kind of crevice mud filled crevice um amidst all these big boulders and yeah tj it was legend so could i share my bystander please story that i hear yeah um freshman year right everyone's like feeling out who everyone else is okay you were 19 i was 17 i was like a young wow freshman and you know we're all putting on these uh, big parts of self so if um if i am going to be risk taking it's like i'm going all the way mm-hmm. and there was like a known quality to your group of buddies because it was like the soccer boys and like so there was already a built-in sense of that's a that's a group of people mm-hmm. and um i can remember before your fall um this type of like um like if i got close to you we were probably gonna have a really great time like that's like like you know like when you're like oh we that's fun this is a this is a fun person yeah um whereas sometimes people's ex- experience is like oh this is calming or mm-hmm. it's i feel safe next to this person this was like <laughs> like um <laughs> the feeling of anticipating something great and it could have just be running around campus mm-hmm. So there was, but there was something, you were on the move is all of my memory of you from that first part of freshman year. Like Mm. you were here, let's go, let's like, where's the fun? Where's this going? Like, let's go for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was in Paige in our freshman dorm when I heard that you had fallen. And at that point, I heard like a mythic legend that TJ had fallen. It could have been from 400 feet. I mean, it was so big. It was mm-hmm. unthinkable, big, unsurvivable, big. And that the last part of your falling, you slowed. Like there mm-hmm. was a sense of people talked about how it almost like, and maybe that was part of hitting the ledge or ledges mm-hmm. to interrupt the rate of your fall. And that you landed at the feet of medical professionals in the only place you could have landed in order to live. Mm -hmm. And then getting to really know you better on the back end, there was a radical, there was a stillness and a very different sense of presence and soulfulness in you. Mm. Like, um, there's still an adventurous spirit in you, TJ, obviously, but it was like, like I'm, there's just a very different sense of, I'm kind of not here to fuck around now in the same way. Like yeah. it just felt like a little different. Yeah. I mean, I, I go from the peak of my physical prime. I was strong, fast. I I felt like I could do whatever, you know, I'm, I'm here thinking I'm going to go play division one soccer somewhere. And I fall in love with Westmont and decide to go to this small school. And I just feel, you know, invincible as a 19 year old. Yes. And then all of a sudden I can't move my body hardly at all. 
I'm swollen in all sorts of weird ways in different places. I had to have people wipe me and feed me. I get home after two weeks in the hospital and I'm still being wiped and bathed and fed and I can't even walk. It was, it was four weeks later when I'm hobbling around with a walker getting around the house. There was an immense amount. It almost was like, that's like the chrysalis moment. Like there was a ton of radical things you were going through that were missed because that the story as your classmate is like TJ's at home now. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh no, this is almost where it, it began. Like the fall was one thing, but the suffering and the humility that comes with, I can't even wipe myself or feed. Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't, I don't know. There's a humanness that's missing now. My ability, my agency. Yeah. And you remember all this, I assume. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's interesting now being 20 years later and, you know, knowing a lot more about a lot of things and knowing that I know so much less about most things. And I keep coming back to the base of the falls and and going, oh, I actually landed. In my own work, I and this was a re- more recent in, in the last few years where I would start to notice that I would brace a lot. In an emotional setting, in a, just any, at just certain times the way your body would posture? Yeah, I think once, and, and the more that in my work, I get connected to the body, yeah. the more I started to realize that in, in, in places where I'd feel uncomfortable yeah. or there was a, a, a mixed set of feelings that was going on mm-hmm. or I was on the verge of anger outburst, okay. <laughs> felt, yeah. felt sad, whatever it might be, I would catch myself bracing the fall. Mm. And, and I had this one moment talking about it to, you know, one of my own mentors yeah. and, and I, I was sharing about it and I looked mm. and I went, oh my God, I already landed. Ooh, TJ. Ooh. It's taken me almost two decades to get to that place of like, oh, I already landed. And I feel that stillness and that calm settle over me in just naming that like i'm no longer bracing for impact i don't have to keep bracing to fall and and it's it's hard because all the dreams that i had for years and years and years it was i was always falling and then i would wake up without hitting the ground (laughs) (laughs) yeah that (laughs) and i would right before i'd hit the ground i'd wake up just waiting, still waiting to, to land. And it almost like that was like the missing piece, right? From your lived memory was, is the fall. Mm-hmm. Your subconscious is offering the fall. This is, there is memory there. You know, even in our, there's felt sense there. That's the, I mean, the body remembering self. Mm-hmm. I've got it. I can protect myself. This is emotion that I don't even know to make, but I know to make. And yet you did land 
and are landing all the time inside of you. What mm. a trip. And it's wild just thinking about the power of the story and how it's told and the language used in it. And if, you know, for so long, from the very get in, in its inception, it was, wow, you have this story to share. And, and the pressure of, am I telling it right? Am I, am I you know, in, invoking the right message from what this is supposed to speak to others rather than having the freedom to tell the story and the, I don't know. And I remember right away, I was asked to speak all over the place and feeling this, this pressure of, oh, well, I'm, I was saved for these special purposes was the messaging, you know, what I would hear miracle boy. Hey, I can't wait to see what, what God does with your life. Um, and these are from really well-intentioned people who from, from the framework, it was sheer amazement because i fell so from such a far distance yeah. I, Miles. Had, My, I didn't have sky. a single yeah. broken bone yeah so i, I was had a, of legends it was a yeah. it was a legendary moment you know all sorts of other stuff going on there where i still don't have any functioning in my right glute fascinating and mm. yet, even in that, I went back and had a nerve conduction test done in the last year just to know, like, yep. what is actually here? Is there any hope that that could ever function? And, you know, still absolutely nothing. And everything else around it is fine. One tiny nerve, I mean, one tiny nerve strand to the biggest muscle in my, in my butt. Yes. Um, and yeah. yet everything else coming from that that same little coil was fine i had a subdural hematoma and so you know there's bleeding uh -huh. on the brain i had a collapsed lung mm -hmm. i had all this bruising and damage everywhere else and just slowly i mean i had a cat scan in santa barbara where this happened and it showed all the damage and then they life flighted me after seven days up to sacramento where my family was based and totally different they they were actually asking is is this actually accurate <laughs> all the messaging of you falling off a cliff we don't really see the same amount of physical trauma we need our evidence here yeah mm -hmm. would would you be willing to kind of come back into the way you were storied in that regard without like it's not again we can acknowledge the well-meaningness and the culture we were in-ness mm -hmm. and then there's the sense of like almost like your canvas is being painted um and then promoted how do you how does the story look to you now do you is there anything you have lived out of in regards to feeling like i'm supposed there's supposed to be some big purpose or reason i'm supposed to find it like treasure one day or something I think that I look at it more in a, like a sh the shape of a parable now where mm. just by telling that story, it can mean so many different things to so many different people. And it, it's interesting that, I, you know, I, when I fell, <laughs> I then was, you know, speak at this church, do this, do that, speaking everywhere. 
And then when I graduated and I traveled and then I went and worked in Belfast, Northern Ireland, and I didn't tell anybody about that. Oh, oh, you chose to leave that piece of your story out. I didn't want any, I didn't want that to be who I was because everywhere I was in college, it was, oh my gosh, you're the guy who fell off the cliff. Wow. And you, yeah. And, and it was your freshman year. So it wasn't like you had other things, other big identity things besides you were the token, that guy. Yeah. Oh, you're wow. the, you're the soccer player mm -hmm. and the guy who fell off the cliff. I mean, and it was amazing because, you know, it's a small tight knit community anywhere I went. Oh, you're that guy. It's almost like Harry Potter-ish in a bit. Like, you know, like there's like this sense of like, <gasps> you know, like they can, there's like some symbol of recognition of what you maybe offered their purpose or their story. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was like, I mean, people would then tell me how it impacted them. When you heard that, was there, do you take that on anyway? Does it double down on your pressure or was it like, oh, I, okay, cool. At at the time, yes. And, and, and at the time, looking at it in, in retrospect, I go, oh, that's why I tried to get as far away from that story as I could, because it wasn't a story that I could freely inhabit or tell without so much pressure and weight of, oh, am I living up to the hype? Am I, am I actually doing enough? Um, and the, the funniest part is they did this low budget reenactment, which many of our friends all acted in. <laughs> I have, this is the first I'm hearing of this. <laughs> so there's, there's an actual reenactment. It was on a show called it's a miracle. It was hosted by Roma Downey, who is a woman that was on a show called Touched by an Angel, which I oh, know of because of all this. I was a big Touched by an Angel fan, so I totally, I'm going to go find it. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't get to meet her, but she was the host and they did super goofy, low budget documentary. Bob, I'm going to search it. Thank you. And so the funniest part is I'm in Belfast. I'm working in a dorm with college students. They know nothing of this. It's spring break. And I'm out traveling with a, a friend of mine and we start to get all these text messages. This low budget documentary was playing on some random cable network in Northern Ireland and it spread. And so one student found it and then it was like, you can't believe it. The, the, the American who works at Darevolgi Hall like fell off a cliff and it's you know replaying and so then i get back from spring break working with all these students and it just the legend grows right oh this is like the jonah story do you know it's like you're oh, like oh yeah I'm not going to eat, going there i'm not doing it yeah and then i'm swallowed by my story yet again mm -hmm. so was it was it different because you were like no i'm i purposely left this out to be met with it like no, I, ugh. or was it received any differently for you then? You know, then I think it was still so much more reluctance. And again, the, the, the Jonah story is a story that I mm. come back to time and time again, because I relate to it on such a deep level. Oh, wow. um, and it, it's, it's the, okay, I'll go, I'll tell it, I'll do it. 
And yet every time I open the story up, it it does open something, right? When we open up a story and we let it speak, when we let the story itself speak, yeah, yeah, we all hear things differently and see things differently, and something can speak to us in different ways. Mm-hmm. And there's there's an author Martin Martin Shaw, and he talks about you know stories can kind of bring us into captivity almost, or stories can free us and open us up. And I think it's taken me two decades, but finally has allowed me to go that the story was never mine to begin with. It was never really about me to begin with. And it was always for all of us. And do it. No, no, carry on. The freedom story. What else is reframed through the lens of this is my freedom story, my the way I would tell it now? Would would you? Is there anything you would say differently right now? As this is like how do you how do you experience being a part of the story rather than the one the story is happening to? It it makes me feel so much smaller. And in the best way where mm-hmm in so many ways we're missing initiation and our lives become about us and when i when i actually look at it as as more of a a forced initiation right it now i can look at it and go oh life is really really hard and then it doesn't stop (laughs) then then we die (laughs) (laughs) life is really hard period Mm -hmm. and it has nothing to do with me. And the paradox of it is, yep. and I've been given something to do. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to die. I had to face that mm-hmm. at 19 of, mm-hmm. ooh, you might not get out of this. Yep. Oh, and won't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. It, again, the paradox of it of, yeah. I didn't at that time, but there is a gift. And the, the gift in all of it was the yeah. suffering piece where, you know, it was, a lot of really hard work to get back on my feet. And after six months, I said, against all medical advice, I said, I've got to go back and play soccer and I've got to get back to school. <laughs> you know, I was 19, yeah. going on 20, and yeah. I had to show yeah. what I'm made of. And because my life wasn't about me anymore, it was about so many bigger purposes I was supposed to, you know, inhabit. Um, it, do you use the word initiation? And as the, this moment would have it, this month, I'm leading a group of women through the heroine's journey, and we are right in the month of initiation. Hmm. The, that deep sense of calling, sometimes the, there are ones we choose and ones we don't choose. And there is like the, like almost that, um, there's no turning back from this moment. This is the, mm-hmm. the thing that um, I can clearly say was the before. And there was the after. It's the I'm here now. So hearing you wrap story, almost like hanging it on a journey model, and to see that as almost a portal, if you will. And at first, the story line you were walking was one handed to you. Mm-hmm. 
heroic, legendary, mythic, deeply entrenched in for the greater good. Um, and underneath that was the story that was like also wanting to emerge, which is, and what do I say? Like what, what is the story? I, how would I say it? And it mm -hmm. almost, there seems like there was some 20 years laterness, maybe even if it was close to 19, is it literally the next half where it's how you say, and it feels proportional. It feels like right size. It doesn't feel as oppressive. It feels like there's that, that first in-breath after impact. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because it, I look at it and I go, I keep falling mm -hmm. and I keep landing. And I keep getting back up. And and to be able to still fall every day. <laughs> and to know that I'll probably fall tomorrow. But then I'll land. Yeah. And oh, I've landed before already. Yeah. And that big initiatory. I landed and I get back up. And it, it's it, it's been just being able to notice that um, pattern as a pattern of initiation of we're going to get hurt mm -hmm. and life hurts us in a myriad ways. Yeah. It's, it, that is, um, there's fullness to that story that most of us just haven't accessed by freshman year in college. You know? mm -hmm. So there it, um, and also this was maybe one of the first maybe um big things that were a part of your story separate from your family mm -hmm. this happened to tj it wasn't like it was um to the mckillops right it was like it's like it's a there's a difference in it being like your individual experience yeah and it's 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 interesting because i don't i was never invited into the individual experience of it can't with that still and, and I don't recall, and, and this could be, again, in, in so many ways, we don't really see things as they are. We're seeing them as we are. And at that time, 19, just trying to make sense of everything. I don't remember anybody ever asking me, really, how does this impact you? I was 25, and again, on the run, <laughs> I had I had come back from Northern Ireland, worked as a carpenter for a year and a half because, of course, I'd go learn a trade rather than, mm -hmm. you know, try to do any of the important things I'm supposed to do. Hmm. Um, I've always been a little, uh, you know, ornery in that in that sense of just, no, I'll be a contrarian here. Yeah. Um, and then I decided I'm going to go travel the country and I, I need to live somewhere else. And I had this idea that I was going to go live in Quebec city, <laughs> totally irrational. didn't make any sense. And I, I spent three months wandering the United States, staying with friends, friends of friends, friends of friends of friends. I ended up staying in Newfoundland with my aunts, best friends, cousins, grandma. Come on, come on. All the way at St. John's, Newfoundland. And all along the way, I ended up meeting all these, these people in Philly, and I decided, oh, I think I'll come back to Philly. Um, and it was in Philly, living in this communal house, mm -hmm. 
and a, a woman who was like a sister to me. She goes, I heard about the story of you falling. Can we watch that video? And I go, like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and these are all like, you know, people in PhD programs and these really thoughtful people. And I'm just like in this video, you know, I, I felt like very childish and exposed and um, they, I couldn't watch it. I sat outside, they watched it. And then my friend walks out to me and I, I remember vividly sitting there on the porch in the evening and, and she goes, wow, that had to have been really traumatic. How are you? And I broke. <laughs> of course. You know, six, that's probably six years later. Yeah. And the first time I really remember hearing somebody say, how are you doing? Are you okay? And then. Oh, yeah. And then it flooded. And it, it gen that started a whole nother chapter for me of, you know, I think I got really internal and serious you know you talked about the impression of me as like adventurous and fun you know and then i i went super internal and got serious and um you know i, I was so important i had to uh you know tend to these higher things <laughs> and then i wanted nothing to do with anything yeah and that's the all the traveling and and all the all the others um and and then just still i felt like i was on the hunt <laughs> for a decade basically and i worked as a wilderness instructor in florida went back to carpentry coached coach soccer back at westmont yeah. um did all sorts of random things and, and just trying to figure out oh i'm supposed to be special what am i supposed to do uh, out of curiosity do you identify with a specific enneagram number no totally no, number number nine a social nine okay okay yeah and only because when i'm thinking about again like through that specific lens that's a lot of pressure even for a social nine to be asked to be centered mm -hmm. you know when the when the crown or jewel of the enneagram at nine is um um that's I mean, really it sounds like it's if you embodied your story it became the freedom story it became the story for all mm -hmm. rather than having it to be tj um it, it it seems like you actually rehoused it rehomed it in a way that's categorically true for you and how you experience the world hmm. yeah it's easier for me to inhabit that space if it's not just about me too mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah and it seems more true mm -hmm. where again it's it does. It's not about me, even if it's all about me mm -hmm. in yes. a way. Yes. When you said true, I mean, I almost saw it as like in a capital T, like there are mm -hmm. things we participate in, like grief, even that's like, um, that are true capital T, they become true, even though it was my loss, there's a sense of it, there's things that you have lost. And now we understand things at a capital T level mm -hmm. that become our language how we could talk about it so yeah there is a decentering hmm. it's and i appreciate you bringing up the enneagram because in, in a way that was a real freeing concept for me to inhabit of oh um 
wow, I have been so social. <laughs> and I do all these things to be a mediator and a bridge builder and try to meet everybody else's needs. And oh, in many ways, I'm doing that to it's it's a protection. Sure. Um, and what I realized is it was the way that I was able to avoid my sadness. And I had some wise folks within the Enneagram tradition. They go, you know, oh, here, over here for you. Here's your work and you need to focus on this and do X, Y, Z. And and then they went, hey, uh, what you really need to do is get in touch with your sadness. I'm like, that's it. You're like, um, excuse me, I'd like to sign up for the adventure in Northern Ireland. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what else? What what other thing can I go and do yeah. and uh, tick off a list and work yeah. hard at? Because yes. my laziness isn't right. found in inactivity yeah. it's if anything it's found in too much activity y yes um, and it, laziness is so i just don't love that word there there's a it's not it's almost like i'm there's a difference between being, i'm like almost like in mud in it it's not lazy i'm just so stuck it's sloth like it's hard for me to actually move here it's not because you're lazy there's a, this inherent sense of um i don't have to go there because i'm this i'm working really hard over here don't you know I couldn't possibly have that because this is where I'm really churning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and it's and, and I've always disliked lazy, the the idea of sloth or laziness, and and I guess the way that I've been able to inhabit it more and make sense of it is, I do everything but the right thing. <laughs> I'll do anything but the thing that is really speaking forth from my core, uh -huh. and so the ability to then inhabit sadness for me has been the gift of actually sinking in to my own body and noticing oh underneath any of the the anxious movement mm. underneath the noise mm -hmm. underneath what looks like anxiety and stress even for me underneath the anger because i can more readily access That's anger yeah. because that was something in my own family lineage that was acceptable Course. You could yeah. be angry, or you could be happy. Yeah. Well, but I couldn't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, and I couldn't be sad, or disappointed, or hurt. Well, that's true in your personal story, but also on the cultural universal level of being a oh, white yeah. male. Do you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah. Here, here's your imprint. Go. Yeah, and so I find that in my work all too often, where it's okay, you're anxious or you're stressed. We all too often just stay there and it's like, oh, you're anxious or you're stressed. How do we get rid of that? And so much of my own work, mine, and then the work mm -hmm. that I do with others is great. You you at least hear that. Great. So what's underneath that? And, yeah. and we can sometimes we start at the anger, sometimes it's other places but it's it's usually looking at anger and fear mm. and sadness and pain dropping down and that for me has been in finding a more contemplative tradition and practice for me to be able to let oh let me get into my feet yeah let me be right here right now yeah oh yeah and then move in and through all the stuff I never wanted to move in and through.
it's been the only way that I've been able to start to wake up and the story has shifted. My perception of it has shifted. Has that been you on your own or have, and, or have you done some of that work or journey with other people? You know, I've been very fortunate in that I've, I've found mentors mm -hmm. along the way. Um, and I've, I've sought them out too, which, which helps. And then I've, I've found them, um, and often in ways that I wasn't expecting. Always um, the unexpected guide. Yeah. 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 It, but it's interesting. You think about the hero's journey kind of yeah. piece to it. And it's like, I mean, I, I've been so fortunate to find mentors mm -hmm. in unexpected ways and places. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I've got a couple now that have been consistent for a long time mm -hmm. and are, are places mm -hmm. where it's that it's a deep friendship mm -hmm. and a mentorship. Yeah. And so I've been, I feel like initiated over and over and over again to slow down, let go. Mm -hmm. Surrender. Surrender. Be right here. Mm -hmm. If you're angry, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Just don't let it own you. Yeah. And listen to what else is there. If you're sad, it's okay. But we get so hooked on the one emotion totally. that we don't let ourselves feel all of the feelings. And they're usually interconnected, right? And it's usually my grief is connected to joy. My sadness is connected to anger, which connected to pain, which is also connected to a longing. Totally. Well, you can see the whole, I mean, you're, I love it because from Enneagram 9, I mean, you really do embody it all. So you do see it all, right? Where mm -hmm. your, your presence allows us all access to those parts within us too, right? Mm -hmm. So for, I mean, resonate most of Enneagram 4. And so I'm like, oh, of course we have all the feelings. <laughs> Wait, is this news to other people? Because this is, somehow, like, is there another way to be? Um, so we all showed up, right? Then like, then there's such a beautiful picture of fullness and then actual movement. So when I'm able to bring um, some depth and being able to like, really look at some of like the, like, let's turn over that grief stone together. Mm -hmm. Um and there's someone else in that circle that shows up in the fullness of their ability to access joy. Well, now I know that there's, I'm not, I don't have to live here. Right? And maybe in your language, I have landed. Mm -hmm. In my landing, I realize I'm not in the depths in the foreland is where I can feel like I drop out in the bottom of the existential gap between the four and the five there at the bottom mm -hmm. of the Enneagram. I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, my landing feels like, um, the opposite of submersing hmm. <laughs> like i'm surfacing i'm on the surface yeah there's a fullness tj listening to you that uh, we could all uh, have a seat mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like and that if we got to the end of that one feeling that there there's almost like um it's like a snaking trail, you know, it's like, oh, what's around this corner? Yeah. And then what's, we don't know yet. And so what's around this corner and it, the contemplative walking, all of it, it feels very, it feels very lovely to walk with you. 
It's, it's interesting you saying that almost, uh, I had this image of you pulling up a rope and there's a bucket down at the well, right? And we're, we're pulling up our grief and we're pulling the rope up and then we get to the water and it's, it's not grief. But you had to pull the rope, right? And we have to, we have to hold on to it and we got to work hard to pull the bucket up. And then once we do it, it's usually transformed. Good. And it, mm-hmm. It's interesting, you just the, the imagery you're giving me of, you know, for so long thinking about, oh, my work is a nine, I've got to tap into my sadness. And so I want to hunt it down and I want to eradicate it. And I want to, um, and, and then learning that, oh, I don't have to look for it because it's already here. Mm-hmm. It's always here. It's always right there. I just have such a beautiful way of blinding myself to it because I don't like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's not as comfortable or um, I don't just drift into it as easily as I do the other things. Mm -hmm. Um, I needed to hear the image that came to you with the bucket and the rope. Mm. Um, I've never had... Uh, such a clear reflection of what my I've had what a direct experience um might cry a bit but like I've the story I've told myself is that it has always been grief I've had a lot of grief in my life Mm -hmm. and recently I feel like I've actually got finally got to the bucket Mm -hmm. like for so much of my life it just feels like I'm just pulling up the next hard thing or the next hard thing the next hard thing and um, my recent experience was like when I went to finally face the big thing, Hey, at least you're just going to pour it out and we're just going to get, see what's all there, you know, is, and it was not, it was like, it was joy, mm. deep joy. It was almost like the water was like mercury silver. Do you know, like mm. it wasn't even black muck the way I thought it would be from the bottom of a well. Mm-hmm. It was like, and I think of it in the context of my brother that as I am losing my brother, pulling up that rope, it's like the only reason I could pull on that is because there was such deep love, because mm. there was such ex- just exuberant joy with him that I also have had to pull or been gotten to pull because of the immense connection that there was there. Mm. So I'm just, I'm thank you for saying what came up for you because it's a gift to me. Man, it's good to be with you. <laughs> I just had this memory of us in a senior seminar class, mm-hmm. our last semester of college, mm-hmm. and it was you and me mm-hmm. and another friend. Mm-hmm. And we went, we're going to stay in touch. And what a funny roundabout way and what a gift to be right here. Mm-hmm what, 18 years, 17 years later, something like that? I don't do math anymore. So yeah, <laughs> that, that many years later. <laughs> yeah, that, those were really fun times in sociology. That was a unique pot of people in that major. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a major I, I chose because 
I didn't want to commit to some other more serious sounding major that was going to set me up to have to do something important or I I like people. I'll just (laughs) hit that major. Let's see. Most ambiguous major. (laughs) 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 Check. Leave it open-ended here. Have, there's no job for me in my future with this. Wow. <laughs> and yet here we are. Yeah. Um, TJ, would you reveal to us what you do for work and how people might follow up with you? Yeah, I, in a very long roundabout way, realized, oh, this is my work. And I work as a therapist. Mm-hmm. And so I... It's funny how it how it came about, and the one real turning point for me was with a mentor, and I'm sitting with a mentor of mine who we'd meet every Monday, I think, while I was working as a carpenter for this two to three year stretch. And after maybe a year and a half or so, he looks at me and he goes, "You know, every day that we meet, you talk to me about your work." And he goes, I've never once heard about any of the woodworking projects that you do. I only hear about the people that you work with and alongside. And something opened up. And I went, oh, it's what I do. Mm-hmm. And so I'd be sitting at lunch and a guy would be telling me all about something hard in life. <laughs> and it keep happening keep happening keep happening and so everywhere I would find that piece and I finally went oh I want to be a therapist but I was still (laughs) I didn't want to commit to being a therapist so I went and I got a degree in social work (laughs) because I'd have more possibilities Mm -hmm. and flexibility and yet I knew Mm -hmm. from the inception that what I what I wanted to do and 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 even less of what I wanted to do but what I knew life was calling forth for me yes Parker Palmer in his book, uh, Let Your Life Speak. speak. Before you go and tell your life what you want to do with it, why don't you ask your life what it wants to do with you? Mm -hmm. Which has really stood out to me in in the clearest of spaces. And I go, oh, this is it. And so I have the privilege now. And I worked at a youth center for five years. I ran all their mental health programming. And it was hard. Mm. I was working with young people who had really severe mental health challenges. And there was a lot of being in and out of crisis units and suicide assessments. And after five years of that, and then doing a lot more managing, I went, no, this is my work. Yeah, it's time. Yep. And so I now have my own practice and it's beautiful. It's such a gift (laughs) and it's an honor. And I I get to work alongside men and women and families and just get to go into all the spaces that are hard to go and and to be able to bear witness to that and to encourage folks to take the next step Mm -hmm. and to listen to what Mm -hmm. we know is there Mm -hmm. but don't really want to hear and to start to look more honestly at our lives and ourselves and our questions and our fears and our pain and our anger and step underneath the stress and the anxiety. Mm. <laughs> so thanks for asking. And it, uh, and I look at you as a, another fellow mentor mm. along the way 
that was able to encourage me enough to take those steps and to go, damn it, that's that's my work. So it doesn't mean I'm always going to be doing it in this one way, totally. but it's my work. Oh, and, and TJ, even in those conversations, because they like, I'm like, oh, I remember I was sitting in the parking lot in front of 31 flavors during one of our <laughs> conversations. I'm like, you know, right where I was, because it's just kind of holding a mirror back up, being like, dude, it's not, this is your work, but it's coming through you as the vessel. Mm-hmm. This is how your life comes through you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it wants to come through you now like this. And mm-hmm. it is has always been for like the good of the gander you know it's always like it's just yeah and it is such an honor and it is so life-giving to be able to be it on the computer screen with you know somebody in all parts of california or walking on the trail which i do with a lot of folks up here in sebastopol or sitting in the office so what's your website tj or the best way for people to find you there so my, my full name is Todd James McKillop, and that's my website is toddjamesmckillop.com, T-O-D-D-J-A-M-E-S-M-C-K-I-L-L-O-P. Amazing. When you have a name that just like, it's just your name. And so you can just have a, a website that's your name. And you're like, look at this. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. TJ, thank you. You guys, thank you um, for listening and just even your presence today. Uh, today was a special like experience. It was an experience with TJ and I just wanted to follow up with what was that like for you? Uh, nominally, the things that came up for me as I was listening is, are there questions in your life that you haven't been asked that would allow you to just finally get the release you've needed. So, you know, the moment in TJ's story, well, where like six years later, he was finally asked like, Hey, are you okay? Is there a question you have been needing to be asked? I'd also wonder about times where, um, Maybe you've been initiated into things or roles or stories and how those stories have swallowed you and then how you have you know, come almost to like the underside of the story and let it emerge again in a different way as a gift or as something other. I'd love to know what your thinking was, your gut response, if there were feelings or your own story that was touched as a, just by listening in. As always, if there are uh, things that come up for you that you want to further explore, um, please don't hesitate to reach out. If there are walks you want to go on with TJ, if there are um, conversations that you want to have. You know, just when I think about this work, and I'm making air quotes, it really is just a sharing of our lives. And so if you could allow a new therapeutic story even to emerge that maybe um, your work, air quotes, is one conversation. It's a chance to talk to TJ. It is a conversation with someone on the Radical Wellness team. It is an event or a retreat. 
And then maybe that becomes mentorship or is called therapy, right? But that, I think sometimes, and I'll speak for myself, I'm hesitant to embark upon a journey that I don't know how long it will take me. And when I'm thinking about the conversation with TJ today, I'm like, oh, maybe an hour. <laughs> like, like maybe, um, maybe a real good Monday morning. Maybe a, a moment. And so I just want to kind of open that up for you as well, that you might consider um, what are the kind of questions and conversations and interactions you want to be having now. Cheers, you guys.